There was a podcast called the Sequel Cast. They talked about movies. And they talked about something else called boobies. The Sequel Cast. It's the Sequel Cast. It's the Sequel Cast. www.sequelcast.com. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. This is a podcast where we cover movies in a franchise, one movie at a time. This time around, we're closing out our Reanimator cycle with the so far final film in the Reanimator trilogy, Beyond Reanimator. This is your host, Uncle Milkshake. With me is Thrasher and uh, Sergeant Moncho. And Sergeant Moncho. And be sure to visit our website at SequelCast.com. You can uh, check us out on iTunes. Please leave a review, or you can send us an email at SequelCast at gmail.com. Yes, um, speaking of the title Beyond Reanimator, I, I rented the DVD and it had a commentary by the director, Brian Usna, and he mentioned that he, the title is Beyond Reanimator because he felt the first two movies exhausted the, uh, the stories in the original Reanimator short stories. So, exhausted? Well, that's, that was the right word. That, that's what he said. He felt there was no more they could take from the original Reanimator. He said series of six uh, short stories. Yes. And he said he wanted to have Beyond in the title to make it clear that this was Beyond where the stories took place. Well, that makes sense. I mean, this does go go beyond, uh, far beyond the scope of H.P. Lovecraft's original stories, both in terms of setting uh, and content. It's Reanimator Goes to Prison. <laughs> yeah. I guess well, we had to sum it up in one word. Prison. Well, let's talk about why it's in prison. Because he's arrested for stealing corpses. Well, here's the problem that I have with that. They, when, when okay, a corpse gets loose from Dr. West. Yeah, what, what, like the film, film opens with a kid and his babysitter, and then they're attacked by one of Herbert West's uh, experiments, a ravening corpse without a lower jaw. Well, actually, what's really important to that is it's not his babysitter, it's his sister. Who's oh, I'm sorry, you are correct. Well, the sister's babysitting. I didn't yes. realize it was the sister at first either until later uh, in the movie. Her name is Emily Phillips. Uh, the boy's name is uh, Howard Phillips, which is a callback, of course, to the writer. Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Ooh. Ah, okay. But what's really interesting is the corpse, yeah, it is missing a lower jaw. It tries to do the things that come natural to it during while it was alive, but it still doesn't have a lot of the control. Um, so it goes to a house and tries to get a drink, because I'm guessing it's thirsty. Uh, and it winds up killing, uh, it winds up killing Emily Phillips. Uh, chokes her, right? Does some horrible things to her neck. Yeah, yeah, but does not kill the two boys that are watching. I thought the boys, especially the younger brother, might have tried to step in to try and fight off the zombie, but on the other hand, I'm not sure what a 10-year-old boy can do. Shoot for the head. Um, but even then, that's not a guarantee with the whole reanimator process. It's not that's like a zombie like, movie. Even the parts will come after you. See, that's what the cool thing I, that I like about reanimator is it is a combination of Frankenstein... And the zombie movies of like Romero and and the people who came before, um, coupled the coupled with the gore of like the Evil Dead trilogy, and uh, except that's more based off possession than um, reanimation. But as we've said before, it does have that mix of humor 
and uh, scariness that the Evil Dead movies have. Yeah, and see, this one thankfully finds its balance between horror and humor, unlike Bride of Reanimator. See, that opening scene, when I saw it for the first time, I didn't know what I was watching, truthfully. This was, like, actually the first one I had ever seen in the entire trilogy. And seeing the scene, I was like, this is a crazy, awesome zombie movie. This is really horrifying. And then I kind of, I don't want to say I got disappointed in the rest of the movie, but this opening scene scared the crap out of me. It was a really good scene. And cops come in who've been tracking the corpse, and they're like, oh, Wes is up to his old tricks. What? (laughs) It's a pretty loose connection to get him into jail, and if you had not seen a reanimator movie previous to this, I think you might... If the cops know that he's reanimating corpses and shit, he would be in prison. He would be, like, snatched up by the government working on a super soldier program. We'll talk about that when we talk about uh, reanimator 4, which never happened and never will. We'll save that for the end. Okay. John Claude Van Damme becomes a Universal Soldier. Huh. But yeah, I mean the beginning. That's like, Kurt I... Russell. Kurt Russell was the Universal Soldier. Yeah, with John Claude Van Damme. But, Look um, it up. With Beyond Reanimator, uh, the beginning I agree was pretty scary. Yet you also had some moments of camp where the corpse tries to drink a quart of milk and it kind of falls through his throat. Or his Real gruesome. Yeah, yeah, very gruesome special effects. And uh, did this premiere in the U.S. on the Sci-Fi Channel? That was the Yes, it did. Now, they what's different between that and the DVD version? Is it less gory on Sci-Fi? And there was a bit of uh, some tits in the movie. That I, I presume a little bit of gore and all the nudity uh, was cut out for the Sci-Fi Channel, but, I mean, that is why we have DVDs, so that we can see the movie that we paid for as opposed to the movie that they show on television for free, even though it's cable, so it's not really for free, so we should be getting all that stuff anyway. But I'll save my uh, complaints against all cable companies uh, for a different podcast. Well, then also, Matt, now you saw the DVD, correct? Yes. Yep. Now, I, I heard there was only like a, a moderate amount of extra stuff. There's only like a small amount of extra footage. I haven't. I never saw it when it was on Sci-Fi Channel, so I really can't say. As far as uh, as far as nudity goes, you get a little bit of uh, tits in a scene where the younger doctor is having sex with his girlfriend, but it's very brief. And there's a scene. Um, later on in the film where there there is a nurse that wears a very low cut blouse and a short skirt and a, a zombie a, um, you want to call these zombies? I don't even know what you call them. Uh, it's fair. It's fair to call yeah. them zombies. So, so there's a zombie guy that we'll talk about later that's really really religious that has a shaved head and he rips her blouse open and you can see her breast and he bites into her breast. Oh shit. Okay. But, Bet you can't eat just one. Oh. He doesn't rip her breast off. I thought that was going to happen, but... No, this isn't a trauma movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's just sort of a, a bite, and she screams, and later she runs to the cops, and she's covering her, her shirt up. Well, again, let's talk about why things are still rising when Dr. West is in prison. Oh, yes, yes. Well, after, after uh, West gets arrested, we actually flash forward in time... You know, and you know that little boy who survived the zombie attack that nobody liked? He grew up to be Dr. Howard Phillips. 
He's the doctor at a prison, and he manages to get Herbert West transferred to that prison because ever since he saw that reanimated corpse that, that killed his sister, he's been obsessed with reanimation himself, and he's had limited success trying to duplicate West's experiments. And now he's finally in a position where he can bring West to himself and, and, and study by his side and, and you know, finally crack the secrets of reanimation. So it's like taking a cooking class with Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> and he has played um, Jason Barry plays Howard Phillips um, and of course the um, uh, the uh, I guess amazing Jeffrey Combs looking I want to say he looks really ne- less nerdy he looks more mature well, I guess older. years his, but he his looks madness, his madness has had time to ferment Right, and I think you look at his face, and he looks he looks very intense and quizzical, and just the age on his face, I think, helps with the character, and I kept on being reminded of uh, Norman Bates in the later Psycho movies. Oh! As, um, what's his name? Who's the actor in Psycho? Uh, damn it. Shit, no, I, I got know. the internet, I... let me look that up. Anthony Perkins. He... Yes. As Anthony Perkins got older and older in the Psycho sequels, he sort of got these more interesting lines to his face and seemed to be more scary. Yeah. But I think uh, Jeffrey Combs in a similar way. Well, it's like in the first movie, I thought he looked older than he did in the second movie, but his head in the first two movies looks like a light bulb. (laughs) (laughs) In what way? In its shape, Matt. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about the discovery, I guess. Because hey, he had a big old bullum head. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, before we go on, um, the part I listened to in the commentary, the director Brian Usna was—he directed. No, I mentioned what he did earlier. And fuck it. Okay. So Brian Usna, the director, in the commentary mentions that he was trying to get a third reanimator movie done all throughout the '90s, but he could never get financing. And then suddenly in the early 2000s, and uh, this movie uh, came out in 2003, he was able to get funding to do a third reanimator movie. He always intended for the the other doctor from the first two movies to be in the third one. But by the time he got the financing to do Beyond Reanimator, he felt that actor was too old, Uh. and it would have been a movie about a couple of middle-aged men. And he felt like he wanted someone younger in there. Well... I think, honestly, I think it's better off that we don't have that doctor coming back because, you know, I'll overlook the fact that Herbert West apparently dies at the end of each movie only to be perfectly fine with no explanation at the beginning of the next movie. But there, there is no damn reason why Dr. Kane would hook back up with Herbert West. It would require some real tortured exposition to, to wedge his character into a third movie and even if you didn't even if you offered it with no explanation unlike unlike West who can come back without any explanation getting Kane to come back and hook up with West with no explanation would just be one lack of explanation too many it would feel very cheap mm. if you're going to bring him back at all maybe bring him back as somebody who's seen the error of his ways and is now opposing West I'd like to see the two of them face off against each other that could be interesting. Yes. Oh, should should we talk about West's discovery? Yes. Actually, well, can I interrupt? Can oh. we like this part correctly? I you talked about how he wasn't able to get funding. 
till 2003. When did the, I guess, when did the big Lovecraft film festivals, like the fan-made film festivals begin? Um, there's one in Portland, Oregon. Let me look up and see. And um, in the commentary, the Brian Usna said that he wasn't sure. Um, here we go. Brian Usna said he wasn't sure why he all of a sudden... But he said around that time, I guess, there people were interested more in older horror movie properties. Hmm. And he thinks maybe strong DVD sales might have convinced financers over time to be more interested in a third movie. Because, again, these become cult movies. Yes. Have devoted fan base that we'll see in a schlock. Well, we'll see almost every schlock. They'll complain and bitch, but... They'll see the schlock that's produced with the same title name. Um, again, I, I point to the Friday the 13th, uh, uh, the Michael Myers uh, Halloween series. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to compare the, the, the reanimator films to slasher films. I think there's a, there is, as silly as Bride of Reanimator was, there's a certain amount of class and sophistication to these films. Okay, then what about maybe some of George Romero's zombie movies? Mm, yeah, I'll give it that. Or Evil Dead, since we've made that comparison before. If if you yeah you know what if you if you swapped if if you went Evil Dead Army of Darkness Evil Dead Two yeah it'd have the same kind of uh same kind of arc to it's, it. Oddly enough, they've done multiple comics of Herbert West versus Ash. Really? Yeah, that's true. They have done they have done like Reanimator versus Evil Dead comics. Are they any good? Uh, some of them are really good. One or two are pretty bad. Um, there's one where it's like <sighs> Professor Watley is actually the, the main force behind one of the stories. Uh, and there's another one where instead of the coolness of the West character, you have a possessed West by the creatures of the Necronomicon. Mm. Yeah, I, I was looking on the uh, website for the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and I could not find when it started, but... But it's like, they haven't been going on for mm, too long. I mean, like, maybe they started late 90s? What would you say, Will? You know what? There's an interview with uh, the founder of the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival on the podcast Yogg Radio from yogsothoth.com, and unfortunately, I do not recall that information. I'm actually searching for it right now myself. Although, feel free to check out that interview. Wonderful interview. Absolutely. Since we are talking about H.P. Lovecraft's uh, works this one loosely but um well, and then since I live in Portland Oregon I should go to this film festival that's in my city that I live in god you totally should yeah I wish I wish I could go as well maybe some other bring your computer with you and then we can use Skype <laughs> live talk to you live that would be awesome hey Matt this part coming up uh, let's get back to that let's, yeah. let's talk a little more about the movie Sure. Um, you had said before that the movie was filmed in Spain, correct? Yep. Yeah. Like, now that I think about it, the, the more I think about it, I, I, I see it in all the characters. Um, I actually looked up one of the characters, Speedball, um, who's played by Santiago Segura, and he is in a bunch of things, um, including he's done voice work for uh, Spanish versions of video games. Um, he's done a bunch of movies, but he's now he's got he's a very popular actor. He made so much money that he's now a producer and has his own film company. Huh? Uh, yeah, he was he, the uh, hippie. 
He was the drug addict. Hey, man, you got me more? Yeah. But if you listen to it, everybody does have a slightly Spanish accent, especially the warden. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, I don't know if they were all dubbed or if they knew if they could speak English and it was filmed in English and then dubbed in Spanish, but the documentary had several clips of Beyond Reanimator in Spanish. I've also seen it dubbed in German. Oh, that's got to be intense. <laughs> well, actually, the, the use of Spain to film it, uh, you know, it uh, it's, aside from the fact that you can get, you know, good actors and sets uh, relatively cheap there as compared to where you might get them in Los Angeles and the Hollywood area, uh, that was also where Brian Yuzna filmed uh, Dagon in 2001, so he was already, you know, very familiar with filmmaking in Spain by that point. Oh my God, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, another H- uh, film inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Not to be confused with the anti-Italian film Dago. No. Oh, wow. We better cut, cut that part out. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you hear a silence, or viewers, if you see nothing, uh, it's because something terrible was, was excised from this part of the podcast. Okay, so back to, back to Reanimator. The younger doctor, Howard Phillips, who as a child witnessed Herbert West... Ah, fuck it. Okay, whatever. No, he witnessed witnessed one of Herbert West's creations kill his sister. He didn't actually kill her, yet he got the rap. Instead of them putting the corpse in jail, they put Dr. West in jail. Well, who's going to believe a corpse kills some lady? Well, but that's the thing. If you see a walking corpse kill somebody... You don't arrest the creator. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you, you should. should. Yes. Maybe you but should. In that, in that like, kind of world, who thinks, who actually thinks that, oh, this guy isn't alive anymore? I mean, no, nobody else was doing this kind of work except for West. So, so what do you think of the performance of Jason Everybody? Barry as the younger Dr. Howard Phillips compared to the, uh, the younger Doctor from the first two films? I really like the way the movie ends. I think he is pretty good. Um, what else has Jason Barry been in? He looks so the familiar. The most notable thing I saw is he was in a, a movie called Mirror Mask. Oh, the Jim Henson Neil Gaiman production. Yeah, yeah, but he did a voice. He did, he wasn't in. I don't, oh, oh, he just did a voice. Okay. I, haven't seen, I know I've seen his face. I just can't face it. Well, I'm gonna say I think I think he's pretty good. I mean, he plays. You know, a devoted, very impressionable, you know, young man of science, much like Dr. Kane. And he does have some vulnerabilities that Kane didn't have. But but beyond that, uh, he, he didn't strike me too well. I mean, he, he serves mainly as a foil for West, and in that he does very well. He's not quite as stiff, that's for sure. But I, I agree, he doesn't leave a strong impression one way or the other. He was actually in Titanic. Oh. Hmm. He played the ship. No, he, oh. played, he played a character named Tommy Ryan. He's the guy with that awesome, um, that awesome line. If that's the way the rats are going, that's the way I'm going. Or if that's the way the rats are going, it's fine, or something like that. Hmm. I I do remember his face from that. So but, how? So this doctor Howard Phillips works at this prison because he knows Herbert West is there. That seems to be the modus operandi for him going and, like, working with West. But why would you want to work with a guy... You saw one of his creations kill your sister. 
I'd more want revenge, or do you think he was scarred enough by the experience? I, I, I think it was traumatic enough, and that his thought process was probably something along the lines of, oh, if only the, re- the reagent could be perfected, we wouldn't have insane corpses that would kill people like my sister, or people who were killed like my sister could be, could be reanimated. And so in a twisted kind of way, he wants to do this to prevent the kind of pain that was inflicted upon him. Mm. Well, see, here's now another interesting thing, because West, while with the limited stuff that he can get his hands on in prison, he's still able to keep doing his research. And to an extent, yes, and he makes an amazing discovery. The NPA, it's called nanoplasmic energy? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's technically, if you think about it, it's, it's the electrical soul, which um, harkens back to my... Uh, uh, comparison between this and Frankenstein, it's something that he has to electrocute out of somebody. Yeah, the 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 nanoplasmic energy, the NPE. West discovers that that has been what's been missing from his experiments. That that's the real reason anything he reanimates comes back as as a crazy monster. This well, NPE is apparently what keeps your your higher consciousness. And I guess, in a certain extent, your your soul functioning. The thing is, it dissipates rapidly at the point of death. So he's technically never had a corpse fresh enough to have enough NPE in it to come back as a sane, functioning being. But now that he's found a way to trap NPE, his hope is that he can infuse NPE in a subject, then reanimate him, and he will at last have a whole being. And in the beginning of the movie, it shows that he is uh, extracting NPE from a variety of rats through experiments. Which would be terrible if this was the Green Mile. <laughs> no, no, because then, uh, then the guy could just keep bringing them back to life, and then you could keep draining them. You could set up a real sort of harvesting operation. Uh, you could have tons of NPE. I actually like the Green Mile, but that's beside the point. If only it had a sequel. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's this. Maybe it's the unofficial sequel to Shawshank Redemption. Well, the sequel to Green Mile is Eight Mile. Uh, okay, I cut out my bad about, jokes. Can you talk a little bit about the warden with his crazy ass face? I think I think he's great. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a great actor. Simon uh, Andro. I can't pronounce it. His last name's really weird, but. Oh, hold on. Let me let me give this one a shot. Uh, oh. uh Simon Andro. Andrew. Yeah, that probably. He plays the the warden, who's very twisted and has a um, a cane he walks around with that he he likes to beat people with, if they don't follow his orders. Which technically, if this prison really wasn't Spain, that that would be absolutely normal. But I don't know if they do they do they allude to this prison being in America. Do they actually ever say where this prison is? On the commentary, he mentioned it's supposed to be in the United States. He does not uh, say where. I guess you would assume Massachusetts. Well, well you gotta realize, like, why, why would American police officers arrest Herbert West and then send him to Spain? <laughs> he commits some sort of crime in Spain between between Bride of the Animator and, uh, and Beyond the Animator, and he was extradited? Actually, technically, Will, if you think about it, where, uh, what was it, Venezuela? Where was he doing his experiments before? Oh, yeah. yeah. So he could be doing it in South America. He could be serving time down there. 
what? I mean, uh, no, no. I mean, I, it, I, it explains I, I, all the Spanish act that the movie is filmed in Spain. It ex, it explains all the Spanish actors in the movie, and in fact, the script and story were written by um, two people with Spanish last names. The story oh. is by Miguel, Gomez. Miguel yeah, Tejada Flores, and the screenplay is by Jose Manuel Gomez. So, well, well there's okay. also there's also a story credit to uh, to Miguel Tejada Flores. I said that, but I might have cut out anyway. But yeah. But I mean, I, I don't think that hurts the movie at all. I think this movie, though, yeah, it doesn't hurt the movie. Why would you say that? That's horrible. Um, <laughs> people can write. Anybody can write a script. I can write a script. U.A. Bowles written several scripts. Yeah, there you go. But now let's. I, I want to go back to this warden because. Um, Wes has been using his technology of the nanoplasmic energy of rats for other rats and stuff. And he winds up actually taking a rat from a prisoner who, like, raises rats and changes personality with that of another rat. So the rat itself is crazy and doesn't recognize his owner and thus mauls him. Well, that that's one of the side effects of, of the NPE is that you know the, the 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 drives and motivations of the higher consciousness are apparently also stored in the NPE. So if you if you uh, exchange the NPE between between two organisms, certain personality traits will cross over. Which is really cool when, uh, like Dr. Carl Hill in the first Reanimator, you have the warden um, Brando, warden Brando, being killed, electrocuted uh, by West and Phillips, technically. Uh, and then brought back to life, but using the MPE from that pet rat. Yes, and, and from that point on, he does appear to be functioning like a normal human being, but he but he starts exhibiting more rat-like behaviors until the climax of the movie, where it's really gruesome, where like he twists his body into a rat shape. He like dislocates he dislocates his, uh, the joints in his hips so that he gets that weird ratched haunt, haunched hind legs look. I mean, it's really disturbing. No, the actor did an amazing job with this descent into ratness. How much do they talk at all about the uh, prosthetics or anything? Do they talk about makeup for his character? Again, I only had a chance to listen to the first 15 minutes of the commentary. Oh, so, right. um, I, because... I have no idea how. I mean, there's certainly some computer effects or. Oh, God. There's CGI in this movie, obviously, but um... there's a character who loses his legs, and so they, so, uh, so during the end of the movie, he's walking around on his hands. There's actually a scene where he climbs up and drops from the ceiling, and supposedly, I didn't see it the first time. I'd have to go back and watch it again. You can see his legs. You can see the shadow of his legs on the wall. Hmm. Uh, during a riot, uh, the girlfriend of uh, Doctor. Howard Phillips. Who's a journalist. Yeah, who, who obviously, like, like Dr. Carl Hill, the warden has a thing for the love interest of the other character. So it kind of recycled that idea. But his, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, his, is his want more perverse? He seems really perverse with how he beats some of the other uh, prison well, inmates. Well, it really... It really is implied that he does get a sexual thrill from inflicting pain, and by the end of the movie, he's just a flat-out, not just a masochist, but a masochist maniac. Mm -hmm. 
But the thing that I love about this is the vials, like the actual reagent, like starts going everywhere. Not like it doesn't spray. I mean, it keeps it starts spreading out throughout the prison. There's a character uh, we talked about him, Speedball, who does any drugs he can get his hands on. So he finds a syringe of reanimator fluid. <laughs> Glowing syringe. Oh, that looks good. Oh, but that's warm. Oh, jeez. And then we finally see what happens when you inject it into a living person. And he kind of gets, like, supercharged, but then so supercharged his, his skin melts off. But then he likes and it, it and he wants some more. His personality is intact. I think because he transitioned directly from alive to reanimated, his NPE didn't leave. So he has a full he, he has all of his fully functional all of his all of his traits. He functions the same after the reagent as before. Now mind you, he's still kind of crazy from the drug use. But do you think if he works taking the right dose, would he effectively be immortal? Well if he kept taking the right dose, I assume like even if you're reanimated, you might still run out you, you know, the body could still fail after a while. Again, we haven't seen a a time limit. Very no, true. But um, as the movie goes on, the girlfriend of Howard Phillips, the younger doctor, gets strangled to death mm. by the crazy prison warden. And they kill the prison warden to get his nanoplasmic energy to inject into the girlfriend. Which is why? Why would you do that? Why would to you bring her back to life to finally get a reconstituted girlfriend that works? Because when the younger doctor doesn't out. like the idea of taking some of the previous rat nanoplasmic energies and injecting it into a human. Yeah, there is this theory that human nanoplasmic energy would work better for humans. But of course, she comes back, but some of the warden's traits have passed on to her, including crazy-ass masochism. Remember, people, if you're actually going to practice sadomasochism, keep it safe, sane, and consensual. Yeah. I have your safe word ready at hand. Mine's popcorn. <laughs> Mine I only share with certain special mistresses. <laughs> I'm living with one right now. I with the only one, really. Hi, honey. Is it either? And I am drinking a... It's not a green reagent, but it's close enough. It's a bit of absinthe. So, Ooh, good call. See, that's another thing that I find really interesting about certain cultures and stuff. I know a bunch of people who love absinthe, number one, for the color, and I have heard people compare it in the color and stuff and the consistency to reagent. Huh? And I, I actually do know somebody who used to use absinthe in, uh, 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 it was like, it was a model, it wasn't a syringe, but you used to use it in a, uh, in part of his costuming for a Victoriana uh, steampunk costume, for that same reason that it looked so much like the agent. Well, I have to say, concerning uh, absinthe, if any listeners want to drink a green-colored liquid, they recently made it available to uh, get in the United States, or at least have it um, made in the United States. And I think I'm drinking some particular brand that was done in Oregon, but... Um, it's fairly expensive. Like my the thing I'm drinking, the whole bottle cost forty dollars. Whoa! But not drinking that much of it, it's managed to last about a year so far. Now, are you doing yours traditionally with the water and the sugar? 
No, I'm too lazy. I'm just drinking it straight. <laughs> Intense. I'm, yeah, I'm drinking it straight and... Oh, that's too much licorice flavor for me, man. It, it is a very <laughs> strong licorice flavor, but I've enjoyed it the more I've tried it over the past year we've had this bottle. But I've had it, like, on ice or watered down, and I thought I did not like that flavor at all. Well, I see, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a hookup. Uh, here in Kentucky, uh, I have, a, I have a, 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 a pagan friend of mine who makes her own makes her own absinthe out of grain alcohol, bottles it herself. It is an amazing product. It certainly reanimates me. Uh, uh, and thereby, we will transition back to reanimator. Okay. Let's start at the end. Let's start. Let's go right to the end. Um, Zombie prison riot. Kill the girlfriend again. Yeah, because she comes back as a freaky dominatrix chick. Because she has the personality traits of the horrible warden. And when she keeps on zooming back and forth between a zombie and oh. towards her old personality, which I thought was a neat twist. And that although they discover nanoplasmic energy that can make him have some sort of a human soul. It's certainly not a quick fix. It's sort of the temporary solution. Well, again, that actually makes this movie very tragic. I mean, that's the tragedy of it, is that, yeah, she's back to life, she still has aspects of her personality, but then she's also evil. And I just think that sometimes that's very hard to date. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes she's begging to, to... be killed by her boyfriend and that was cats knocking stuff from the bookshelf uh, sometimes she's begging to be killed by Howard Phillips mm-hmm. but other times she's sort of you know using code phrases they used for sex or whatever like go all the way but in a very sadistic sense it's a really you can see why he'd be very conflicted and it's a very tough situation he's in well, isn't this... Doesn't that harken back, I guess, to Bride of Reanimator? Where you have this monstrosity of the bride, and she herself... Well, she kills herself. But in this, we have to, I guess, end the life of another hot babe, because that's what happens in these movies. Yeah, the girlfriend. the girlfriends never, never make it out in one piece, so to speak. Now, is that true about Lovecraft's works? Well, girlfriends, you know what? I, off the top of my head, I can only think of one Lovecraft story that really involved a girlfriend, and that was the thing on the doorstep. And and even then, it's not the best of relationships. Yeah. She's just using him. Yeah, in this movie, the, the girlfriend is using the Dr. Howard Phillips to crack some big story on this prison and the injustices the injustices within very true but of yeah. course she becomes what she sought to destroy yeah but it's not her fault very true very true it, it is an inflicted irony and you might want to mention the girlfriend Elsa Pataki she was also had as a part in the movie Snakes on a Plane really? yes was she a snake? Was she the plane? <laughs> yes. God, awfulness. Yeah. But in all honesty, who who did she play? <laughs> oh, she was Maria on Snakes in a Plane. She played Maria. I have no idea who that is. 
I never saw Snakes in a Plane, but I like the uh, the titular single that came out of it. Oh, yeah. Cobra Starship, a band that has somehow outlived that movie. Yep. <laughs> they released a second album uh, last year. And they have a oh. hit single called Good Girls Gone Bad. which From is, that album. Uh, which is very, very generic. I enjoyed the Snakes in a Plane song, and I thought it was really camp, but... How does it compare to Snake Eater? Well, Snake Eater is a fantastic uh, song. Sometimes you dine on a tree frog. <laughs> Snake Eater! I'll have to plug well, that in. Well, actually, speaking of music, what do you guys think about the music in Beyond Reanimator? I know when we spoke about Bride of Reanimator, I described the score as a cheap knockoff of the score from Reanimator, which in itself was a was a rearrangement of the score from Psycho. I like the score in this. It's it's the old score is back and it's powerful and it well, works again. And this it one has. I think yeah. it works for Prism. It definitely works for In the Prism. I really do like a lot of it. Beyond Reanimator, it has music by a different composer. This one is by Javier Capellas, but Ooh. it does credit you know main theme of Reanimator by what was his name? Damn it. It does credit main, based on a main theme by Richard Band. It, it does reprise the uh, the theme from the first Reanimator films in a good way, especially in the beginning prequel segment where a young Howard Phillips sees Herbert West being driven off in a cop car, and you hear a few notes from the main theme from the original movie. And then into another creepy opening title sequence involving anatomical charts, which I always loved. Yeah, that was yeah, great. Love those intro sequences. I think the music was effective. I don't think it was too overdone. You didn't have any inappropriate pop hits thrown into the soundtrack for no oh, reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, the reanimator films have never suffered from that. Right. <laughs> so what happens at the end of the movie? You have this intense confrontation between a reanimated uh, prison warden and Dr. Herbert West, as well as the confrontation between Dr. Howard Phillips and his uh, his reanimated girlfriend, the journalist Laura Olney. Well, number one, the bitch loses her head. <laughs> yep, he takes his advice from her and kills her, cuts off her head. And he's seen weeping, and and everybody already thinks that he's gone nuts, mostly based off what the warden said and what guards have seen. And they, of course, he, he cut off her head, so of course he's going to go to jail for her murder, which technically was a mercy. Right, and Herbert no, West is No, Your Honor, he had been resurrected with the spirit of an insane warden. Okay. <laughs> I had to kill him. It's 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 really hard to like think about the justice system and and the actual court cases that arise from these movies. Well, admittedly, he could like it could just be assumed that she died in the riot, and he might be in you know he might be able to if he to keep his mouth shut. You know that might just be what the justice system uh, believes because there is a phenomenal amount of carnage at the end of this film. Yeah, I think the ending is really effective. You have Howard Phillips just chops off his girlfriend's reanimated head and is crying, covered in blood cradling the head and meanwhile, Dr. Herbert West escapes from the prison using Howard Phillips' ID So he actually does look like a real doctor and yet, there wasn't a there wasn't a um, 
a lockdown that prevents even the regular people from getting out? It's an underfunded, corrupt prison. Uh. And the one guy set the uh, alarm to set everyone free, so maybe that unlocked all the doors as well. I don't. What possible? I don't know. It seems like a fairly big prison, though. But and I guess that is the one divergent point. This is this is the only reanimator film where Herbert West doesn't clearly die at the end. You know, he's not sucked into a corpse and strangled. Uh, he's not crushed under falling rubble. This one, he just flat out gets out. It's as if they're saying, you know, well, we're not even going to hide it. He's coming back. But there's a great ending part of the movie where Howard Phillips is cradling his girlfriend's severed head, and the cops come in, and they take the head away from him, and he's sort of screaming and laughing, and then the head reanimates and starts laughing as well. And you get a side-by-side split-screen shot of the two heads sort of laughing like maniacs. Well, I think that's your hand out of the grave moment for this film. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it worked pretty well. I thought it was disturbing. And what did you think, Jason? I I thought it was one of the scarier. It did have some funny moments, but it really had more shock, and it definitely had less schlock, really. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a much scarier movie. I gotta say, when I first saw it, it was the first one that I saw, so it's the one that I kind of like really go back to. Um, it is done with a little more special effects. Um, I also am very afraid of prisons, so that's also pretty good. Um, I was, hope to never go into a prison in my life. What was with all the stuff? At some point, the warden gets his penis bit off by the girlfriend, and there, there's a lot of close-up shots, at least in the DVD version, of the rat next to the severed penis. Oh, God, yes. Um, supposedly, I haven't seen it. There is a thing on the DVD uh, where there's rat versus animated penis. There's several shots of the rat sort of cuddling close to the animated penis, but there's no uh, payoff. It's not like the rat takes a chomp out of the... No, there is. Penis. There is. is there, you... I, must have missed, I must have blocked it no, out. No, it's after the credits. Oh, I didn't... Okay, I didn't stay that. So what... I've only read about it. I... I believe it exists. What happens after the credits? Supposedly the rat and the penis fight. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> I guess I missed something. Why can't we be friends? So is there no reanimated penis in the sci-fi channel version? Oh, uh, certainly not. Okay. As but crazy it, stuff as they did on, on Lex and to a certain extent Farscape, that didn't make it to air when this premiered on the sci-fi channel. And also Tripping the Rift. Oh, that's true, Tripping the Rift. I mean, on the um, on the DVD, I, I'd like to mention the only version that's on there is the uncut DVD version. You can't watch the censored version if you so choose. Unless, of course, it gets rerun on cable. Well, yeah, right. But um, and I mean, I, I don't care about that as much. But I guess completionists might want to be aware. Which here's my question: If sci-fi has these movies, why don't they replay them instead of replaying the crap that they've made? Because I really want to see. All right. Um. Well, actually, speaking of things that are on the DVD, there's a music video. Like, while they were in Europe, uh, Brian Yuzna got this uh, European techno-pop group to make a reanimator song. And there's a music video for it using clips of the movie and, and shots of the vocalists, you know, and, and people dressed as nurses. You know, <laughs> I'll be your reanimator, move your dead bones. I think the actual title of the song is like, Reanimator, Move Your Dead Bones. <laughs> Yeah, um, if you want to listen to some to some to some European techno pop, 
definitely check that out. And and Uncle Milkshake, please, please, please try to put a, a sample of that uh, on on this podcast. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned that you know no pop music makes it into the film itself. Thankfully, it made it onto the DVD. Let's let's let people listen to what they could have heard in the film but didn't. Oh, no, thank God, thank God, no, like, contemporary, like, music, music got into any of these movies. Okay. Yeah, it would really date them. I mean, that's one of the things, these movies... So, Jason, you mentioned this, um, this movie, Beyond Reanimator, the last movie in the series. This was the first one in the series that you saw? Yes. Did you find it difficult to get into without knowing what happened in the previous films, or... Um, not really, because in my head, I just saw, oh, he's using chemicals to bring back the dead. And in truth, I really hadn't been into Lovecraft as much as as, as uh, Thrasher, um, but we had seen this together, and then he showed me the other one. Uh, he showed me the first one, and I, and I began to understand. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I went back and I actually read the... Uh, Herbert West Reanimator by H.P. Lovecraft and I wound up re- reading more and more Lovecraft, which got me into a lot of horror and stuff and a lot of that twisted, uh, strange beyond stuff. Again, that's why like this this is kind of the genesis of my Lovecraft obsession. So, I mean, overall, what were some thoughts uh, on this film beyond Reanimator? Or is there anything else you wanted to bring up that we haven't discussed? Well, actually, I'd like to talk about... Can we talk a little bit about House of Reanimator? Yeah, I guess I guess we should. Um, now, uh, after doing Beyond Reanimator... Beyond Reanimator actually did really did really well for, for Brian for Brian Usna. Uh, Brian Usna wanted to immediately start production on a fourth film uh, entitled House of Reanimator. And it was going to pick up shortly after where this film left off. Um, now, this film has never been made. I know the Internet Movie Database still lists it as in production, but yeah, Brian Yuzna was interviewed. Brian Yuzna was interviewed. I'm sorry, no, Stuart Gordon. I'm sorry, Stuart Gordon was interviewed on Yog Radio number 35 and kind of explained about the history of the movie. Uh, what it was is it was meant to be a horror comedy. House of Reanimator refers to the White House. It was meant to be a horror comedy satire on the Bush administration where there was going to be a bumbling president and a maniacal but heart attack prone vice president who was going to develop a heart condition and was going to die and he's the only thing really keeping the administration functioning so uh, either the CIA or the FBI one of the intelligence agencies was going to track down Herbert West and make him the vice president's personal physician to keep him reanimated and alive, which is going to work fine until the vice president started developing a taste for human flesh. Man, and you could, only assume, you could only assume it was going to end with a zombie massacre in the White House. Wow. And the problem was, they couldn't get funding. No one wanted to fund a horror satire of the Bush administration. And of course, now that the Bush administration is no longer in office, there really is little point in doing a horror comedy satire of the administration. So, you know, it's it's kind of just been, it's kind of been fallen away. The, the time for that movie came and went, uh, unfortunately. I mean, I really would have liked to have seen where they went. Um, 
it, it, admittedly, I don't know how political the film is going to be, and, and politics could ruin a film like that, depending on how, how heavy-handed you get. But if it was portrayed as, as horror farce, I think it would have been delightful and, and a worthy successor to the franchise. Because, of course, they admitted Beyond Reanimator, they had exhausted the possibilities of the original source material. It's only appropriate that they keep moving farther and farther. I and mean, I don't think Lovecraft would have ever imagined his character Herbert West being the private physician of the United States, a president, vice president of the United States. Actually, I got a really funny. I think that this would still, I think that storyline would still work if you made it a movie about capitalism. Where it would be like the head of a company? Yeah. Huh. Hmm. So, hey, if you're listening, uh, any professional. Stuart Brian Yusner. If you're there, man, uh, we'd love to pitch you this story um, about basically Reanimator goes corporate. Yeah, bank of Reanimator. Bank of Reanimator. Or wages of Reanimator. Too big to fail. <laughs> if Reanimator, too big to fail. That's great. We can revive your board members the same way we revived your assets, he would say. Uh, oh wow! I, I'm liking this idea. Maybe we should bang this out, send it in. See, if I we didn't can do this for money. I did this to bring life. <laughs> I have higher goals. Oh, fascinating! Corporate structure. Uh, over the years, uh, Brian Yusna had actually gotten pitches for more Reanimator movies, and you know, and and there's an there's an interview that he did in Fangoria about a month before Beyond Reanimator came out, where he of course talks about the Reanimator. He, he briefly mentions House of Reanimator as, as, of course, a sequel he wants to do, though he doesn't go into too much detail, just saying that it involves the White House. Uh, but he also mentions some of the other titles. There was like you know, Revenge of Reanimator, Rise of Reanimator, Brides of Reanimator. Brides? Like multiple brides. <laughs> That's actually kind of cool. I'd like to see that. Maybe there'll be another one or even a remake of the original coming up, you know, in the near future. Who knows? Oh, don't remake it. You could only go wrong if you try to remake Herbert West Reanimator. The only way I could see you another Reanimator movie being made is if a different group of people does it as Lovecraft wrote it, uh, in uh, having it take place at the dawn of the 20th century. I believe they've done. There are people who have done like lower budget movies versions. Well, there are fan films based on parts of the story, but I don't think anyone's ever done the full serialized story as a feature film. Mm -hmm. I think who knows? Maybe the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society will get around to that once they're done with Whisper in the Darkness. Yeah, maybe. I mean, part of the appeal of H.P. Lovecraft uh, to me is the descriptions and the interior monologues of the characters are so rich and so detailed that you almost would have to have a film with a lot of voiceover to help uh, bring that across. I don't know, voiceover really often kills films. I, I'm, I'm glad that it's, been, that it's been kept out of the Reanimator series. But at the same time, if you have journal entries, that's usually how they're done. That's true. Lovecraft's a big fan of revealing his stories through, uh, through journal entries. Oh God! There's something at the window, but I'm not gonna stop writing. <laughs> I'm gonna keep writing yeah. until the cultist of Dagon comes into my hotel room and tries to kill me, and then I'll jump out the window. But I'll make it clear that that's my intention in this letter. <laughs> of course, and that and that's 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 H.P. Lovecraft's story, Dagon, right there. <laughs> and then he spells out "crash" to signify that the window's been broken. 
Oh, oh. You know what? I once got into a debate about somebody about that. It was about this this email uh, floating around the internet from a person who 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 supposedly was murdered while typing it, and the killer pressed send. And I was like, well, well, you know, why would the person finish writing the email while they were being murdered? And, and I was like, well, well, maybe maybe the killer finished it. Really, the killer knew what they were going to say and continued to write it in the first person of the original. <laughs> Now that's a little crazy, but I like it. Let's do that. Uh, <laughs> we'll do a series of tests. So, in conclusion, would you recommend uh, Beyond Reanimator? Absolutely. Certainly, I, I think it's marvelous. In a lot of ways, you can skip directly from Reanimator to Beyond Reanimator, and and you could get away with ignoring Bride of Reanimator. You wouldn't miss much. Well, in fact, that's um, what I did because I wasn't able to see Bride Reanimator in time for our episode. Uh, <laughs> covering that film. But, um, Don't retroactively ruin your credibility, Uncle Milkshake. <laughs> well, but, but yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful movie. As I said before, it does strike a very good balance between the horror and the humor. The effects are wonderful. The gore is there. We get some wonderful things extrapolated from all the ideas that have been floating around the, re- the whole reanimator concept. It really is a worthy new addition to the franchise. Very close to the original, I think. You know, as long as as long as you can get past the fact that it's that it's beyond the source material, it's a wonderful movie. On its own, it holds up very well. Um, and you know, again, I can only hope that there's enough DVD sales for this and enough interest in this that at some point we will get another Reanimator film. I mean, at some point, I mean, my fantasy is we'll one day have a film where Herbert West dies and reanimates himself somehow. Mm. You know, I, I you know we th- this character, Stuart Gordon's interpretation of this character. If the if the series is ever going to flat out end, it needs to end with a with a spectacular death scene for his character. I would love to see him play her the death of Herbert West. That could be pretty yeah, interesting. I think uh, I think Combs is a brilliant actor. But Jeffrey Combs is marvelous. I think they've given him a great character to play. No, he he's very good, and uh, he has a few funny lines in the Beyond Reanimator too, which are pretty. Amusing. I can't. None come to mind, of yeah, course. But they do give pretty funny lines because again, he delivers them very stoically. Oh, it's very dry. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing about his deliveries that it is like like even the, like the most sarcastic he ever gets is who's going to believe a talking head get a job at a sideshow like that's that's <laughs> forceful or like that that's is like as sarcastic and like. Blatantly trying to sound witty as he can be. It's all about the dialogue and that that just wonderful dry, crazy delivery. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really enjoyed Beyond Reanimator at first when I was watching it. I'm like, oh, it's gonna take place in a prison, really? But they managed to make it work. They don't simply stick Herbert West in a uh, hospital or an academic setting again. Yeah. To try and redo the first movie or something. They take it to a different logical place. I mean, this guy would be sentenced in prison at some point for, for what he did. And I still say that's bullshit. We know he's been desecrating corpses, committing fraud, stealing from hospitals. There's, he's, got a, he's got a tremendous rap sheet. Of, and, of course, potentially wanted for murder in Europe for the death of Dr. Hans Gruber from, in the first film. I think there's plenty of reasons why he'd be in prison. I think oh, I'd love to see his trial. I think <laughs> a little, a little, 
Vile of Reagent is Exhibit B. Maybe that's the fourth movie, Trial of Reanimator? The Trial of Reanimator, oh yeah. It's just a, a, a courtroom drama with no actual zombies in it. Or it's about clinical trials, and there's a placebo group of corpses, and a group of corpses getting the reagent. Or the jury's full of reanimated corpses. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, So, what is the uh, set of movies we're going to be covering in the weeks ahead? The Planet of the Goddamn Dirty Apes. Yes. There's uh, several films, and we'll be doing six episodes in total based on those films, starting with the original Planet of the Apes film all the way up to the uh, Tim Burton remake of Planet of the Apes. And we'll mention the TV show. You have to end it on a downer. Well, it it is the latest film in the series, technically. True, true. And there's strong rumors they might be doing a new uh, Planet of the Apes movie focusing on Caesar. So, again, whether that's bullshit or not, I I have no idea. But Even if that movie was made, it would probably still be bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Zing! But the uh, Planet of the Apes films or something. I mean, we'll talk about it more when we do the episodes. But uh, so tune in for those. Yeah, no, I'll save it for that. But I do want to say if you oh, want to. Apes win. What? If you don't tune in, the apes win. That's right. I do want to point out if you want to watch the first Planet of the Apes movie, if you have a Netflix account, you can watch the original Planet of the Apes film on Netflix. Watch instantly. God. Oh, and you know what I realized. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey Combs himself has been reanimated. There, uh, on one of the on flight uh, on the American Airlines Flight 11, one of the airplanes which was hijacked on September 11th in 2001, there was a passenger named Jeffrey Combs, although the name was spelled differently. And when he was when when of course he was reported dead. It led to Jeffrey Combs accidentally getting pronounced dead by a number of media outlets. Wow. But of course he's really alive, so I guess, I guess that's his brush with reanimation, being declared dead and now being back. Is his last name spelled with two O's or one? Wow. Uh, it's The actor is one. The man on the airplane was two. Okay, I get that confused for some reason. Well, so do they. Yeah, apparently so. Um... So you have just been listening to the sequel cast. Be sure to check out our website at www.sequelcast.com. Send us an email at sequelcast at gmail.com or check out our Twitter feed at twitter.com slash sequelcast. This is Uncle Milkshake. Thrasher. And Jersey Jason. Now, what was your reanimator name? Oh, yeah, I don't... Doctor something or other. No, it was Sergeant Bruno. Brado. Yeah. his name was. Okay. Brando. Warden Brando. Yeah. Saying. Saying, at last, we are beyond reanimator. That's, uh, that's perfect. That's a good one. I'm going to go buy some taco chips. <laughs> <laughs>